Behind the Knife, the surgery podcast. Relevant and engaging content designed to help you dominate the day. Listeners, my name is Rita Mukhtar. I am an associate professor of surgery at UCSF. Hey, everybody. This is Michael Alvarado. I'm a professor of surgery at UCSF, and I work with Dr. Mukhtar in the breast clinic. So um, we are the uh, breast surgery team for BTK. Uh, we're missing one of our partners in crime, Dr. Alexa Glenser, who is a fourth-year surgery resident who is stuck in the OR. So we've got the attendings going rogue. Hopefully we won't mess things up. Um, but Alexa has told us that today we are going to be talking about a very interesting and rapidly evolving topic, and that is management of the axilla in breast cancer. So just to give a little bit of historical context and a little bit of outline for what we're going to talk about, about 15, 20 years ago, people who had breast cancer always had to have an axillary dissection. And that is thankfully no longer the case because that's a very morbid operation. Uh, So what we're going to talk about today is sentinel lymph node biopsy. Uh, When can you avoid an axillary dissection? And we're going to talk about it in the setting of patients who are clinically node negative, clinically node positive, those who are going straight to the operating room, and those who are having neoadjuvant therapy first, because those scenarios all dictate the management of the axilla. So, Michael, why don't we start with some of the basics? Can you just explain uh, what is a sentinel lymph node and, and how do you do a sentinel lymph node biopsy procedure? Yeah, sure. Thanks so much for that. So, like Dr. Mokhtar was just saying, um, it has evolved over the last 15 years. And a lot of residents today wouldn't even realize that, you know, when I trained, for example, I remember being part of clinical trials looking at sentinel node biopsy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so sentinel node biopsy is used for early stage breast cancer patients. And it's a way to stage the axilla and get an idea of what the overall stage is. And so patients undergoing uh, for example, lumpectomy or mastectomy for early stage breast cancer would have a sentinel node procedure, and that would be done with a mapping agent, which is most commonly done with a technetium 99 uh, molecule. And you can also use blue dye, which would either be lymphazurine or some people do use methylene blue. The mapping agent is injected, and at the time of surgery, you utilize the what we refer to as the 10% rule where utilizing the technetium, we would take out the, quote, hottest node uh, utilizing the gamma counter and anything that has at least 10% of that highest activity. And that would give us a a low false negative rate, uh, probably in the 5% range. And so that would be kind of classically how we would use sentinel node biopsy for patients with early stage breast cancer. And I think maybe we should just jump right into a case just as an example. For example, Dr. Mukhtar, if we had a a patient, a 55-year-old woman that we were seeing that had a screen-detected breast cancer, it looked to be that it was in the one to two centimeter size, so about one and a half centimeters on imaging. It was invasive ductal carcinoma, and it's estrogen receptor positive and HER2 negative and grade two. And so 
based on the size of her breast, I think she could probably have a lumpectomy. And she, for example, is seeing you in clinic and you're going to talk to her about surgery and, and whether or not uh, to do this sentinel node procedure. Okay, perfect. So um, like usual, I would start by asking the patient about her history, um, including family history of breast or ovarian cancer or other malignancies that would make me think about whether genetic testing would be high yield in her situation. Um, I would do a physical exam, see if the mass in the breast is palpable or not, and I would feel the regional nodal basins and see if there's any um, adenopathy. It does sound like, based on the size of the tumor, that she would be a candidate for breast conservation or could undergo mastectomy with or without reconstruction if that's her preference. We know that there's no uh, survival difference between breast conservation with lumpectomy and radiation compared to mastectomy. And provided that there's no adenopathy in the axilla on physical exam, I would recommend staging the axilla with a sentinel lymph node procedure, since we know that the status of the sentinel node reflects the status of other lymph nodes. That's great. That's perfect. And so let's say, for example, she ends up having um, the surgery done and her lymph node is negative, which is great. Um, I'm guessing there would be no indication for actually no dissection because we've staged the axilla. Right. Now, if we kind of shift, though, to those patients that end up having a positive lymph node after the sentinel node procedure, because here we've seen that sentinel node negative patients need no further surgery in the axilla, and then they go on to adjuvant therapy with either hormone therapy or chemotherapy, depending on potentially the grade or a genomic assay, like the 21-gene recurrence score. And for those patients that had breast conservation, they might undergo radiation therapy, for example. But say, for example, the patient ends up having a sentinel lymph node that's positive, um, what would we do in that case? And is there any data now to show that we don't need to do an actually node dissection like we used to you know, 10, 15 years ago? Right. Okay. So just to kind of summarize what you said. So in the past, everyone with breast cancer would just get an axillary dissection just up front. Then when the sentinel lymph node procedure was developed, it allowed us to identify which patients were node negative and which patients had a positive sentinel node. And if they were node negative, you would do nothing else. But if they had a positive sentinel node in the past, that was the indication for doing a completion axillary dissection. But what you're saying, Dr. Alvarado, is um, do we have any data now saying that even if someone has a positive sentinel node, that maybe they don't have to have that completion dissection? And um, some of the listeners might have heard of two pretty important trials in breast surgery, the Z11 trial and the Amorose trial. So I'll start by describing the Z11 trial, and then maybe you can describe the Amorose trial. So the Z11 trial... Um, was a trial that took patients who had um, clinically negative axilla. So that means that there's no indication of any nodal involvement. There's no adenopathy on physical exam. There's no abnormal lymph nodes on imaging that made you get a needle biopsy. So as far as everyone knows, there's no disease in the nodes. These patients then went to surgery and had a sentinel node biopsy, and if they were sentinel node positive, the patients were then randomized to either 
a completion dissection, or no further treatment for any of the axillary nodes. It's important to note that in the Z11 trial, all of the patients had tumors that were smaller than five centimeters in size, and all of the patients underwent lumpectomy, which meant that they were going to be getting uh, post-lumpectomy radiation to the breast, whole breast external beam radiation. The other thing to note is that um, only patients with one or two positive sentinel nodes were allowed in the trial, although there were a very, very small number of patients who actually ended up having three sentinel nodes who ended up being in the trial as well, but predominantly one to two positive nodes. And in this trial, which now has uh, at least 10 years of follow-up data uh, published, there is actually no difference in local recurrence or um, survival outcomes. So based on the Z11 trial, if this patient who had a T2 tumor that was clinically node negative and underwent a lumpectomy and a sentinel node biopsy and had just one positive sentinel node, she would not need to undergo um, an axillary dissection. But let me ask you this, Dr. Alvarado. So um, what if the patient had wanted a mastectomy? And so you, you do say like a nipple sparing mastectomy with a tissue expander placement and a sentinel node biopsy and the sentinel node is positive. Yeah, that's a great question. And that, that was a really great overview of the ACAZOG Z11 trial. And I think what's really important to kind of remember is that the Z11 trial was such that there was going to be no other, quote, therapy to the axilla. So it was sentinel node biopsy and then whole breast radiation. And so it was trying to be a trial of no other therapy, no radiation, no dissection to the axilla. And so in theory, you'd think, okay, well, for mastectomy, that should be the same. If a woman has a positive sentinel node after mastectomy, then you would just not treat the axilla. But I think what was found, and I know that uh, you and I have talked about this before, and we've, we've talked about it with our radiation oncologists as well, is that in the Z11 trial, probably a lot of those patients actually got radiation to the axilla, this um, so-called high tangent. So some of the axilla was covered. So it probably was that these patients were being treated. It's just they weren't having the dissection. And so just as you were saying, now when we start talking about mastectomy, there's another trial, the European trial that you referenced earlier, the AMAROS trial, that did something similarly, looking at trying to um, de-escalate or get rid of axillary node dissection. Women, again, just like you said, were randomized to completion dissection or actually getting radiation to the axilla. So if they were having breast conservation like a lumpectomy, they would get randomized to either axillary node dissection or there would be radiation to the axilla. So that was the, quote, therapy to the axilla. And in those patients that had mastectomy, and I think it was, it was a low number, I think. It was about 15 or 18%, right? Something pretty low. Somewhere close to that. So a low number of patients that actually had mastectomy, they also got radiation in the form of post-mastectomy radiation as well as radiation to the axilla. And not surprisingly, the AMAROS trial pretty much gave very similar outcomes. There was no difference in breast cancer survival. There was really no difference in local recurrence. 
um, there was no difference in overall survival and patients were treated the two different ways. And interestingly, and I guess we, we should, we should bring this up is that the reason that we want to eliminate axillary node dissection is because of the risk of lymphedema. And that, that's one of the main reasons. And so in Amaros, what they found is that by adding radiation to the axilla, as opposed to doing an axillary node dissection, there was also a lower rate of lymphedema. So utilizing axillary radiation instead of axillary surgery controlled the disease and had a much lower rate of lymphedema. And so now we have these two trials. Dr. Mukhtar uh, mentioned Z11 and also the Amaros trial, which has moved us in a lot of patients, the majority of patients, because they're screen detected um, and have a low burden of disease if they're node positive, moving them from axillary node dissection and lymphedema and these symptoms to now being able to eliminate the axillary surgery and rely on the radiation for disease control. Right. And, you know, one of the things that is kind of interesting um, is that the choice now between lumpectomy and mastectomy can kind of influence what you end up doing with the lymph nodes. So in the Amaro's trial, if someone had a positive sentinel node and the patients then had their nodal basins treated with radiation, the radiation oncologist would also treat the chest wall. So that means that if a person got immediate reconstruction, that tissue expander or implant is now also going to be radiated, which can increase the complication rate for reconstruction. So um, if a person undergoes lumpectomy, they're going to be, in most cases, getting whole breast radiation anyway, and that radiation could effectively treat the rest of the nodes in case that lymph node ends up being positive, and there's not the risk of causing increased complications uh, to the reconstructed breast versus if a person picks mastectomy and they end up having a positive sentinel node, they're now facing the choice of do they use radiation to treat the rest of the nodes and possibly compromise their reconstruction or increase the risk of compromising their reconstruction, or do they get an axillary dissection, which you could still offer, um, but then that comes with almost twice the rate of lymphedema. So I think that these trials really provide um, even more rationale for trying to do lumpectomy. As long as that's in line with the patient's wishes, uh, you can end up avoiding morbidity by doing a lumpectomy instead of a mastectomy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the, you know, when we talk about these cases and we talk to patients, obviously there are a lot of patients that choose mastectomy um, for different reasons, family risk, um, mutational status, for example, or just, just personal preference. And just as Dr. Mukhtar said, those patients that have mastectomy and we remove two sentinel nodes and one of them's positive, this is where we have these pretty significant uh, multidisciplinary group meetings or, you know, tumor board meetings where we talk to our radiation oncologist and say, okay, if the patient only had one positive lymph node, would they be getting post-mastectomy radiation? Because if the answer is yes, then I really don't want to go in and do the axillary node dissection because, as Dr. Mukhtar said, they'll be getting both the dissection and the radiation, and the lymphedema rate is high. And then the radiation oncologist might say, well, she had a mastectomy. 
if it's just one positive node, and if we were sure of that, then I wouldn't do the radiation. So then Dr. Mukhtar and I say, okay, well, we'll take the patient, we'll do the dissection. But then say we find two more nodes that are positive. Yeah, now they get both. Now they get both. Now yeah. they get, so it's, it really is this kind of catch-22. And there, there are clinical trials going on right now looking at one to three positive sentinel nodes and not doing any radiation in the mastectomy setting. Right, like and, the POSNOP trial. Exactly. And so hopefully that'll um, shed some light uh, for us um, in the future because that would be, I think, a really important aspect um, for these patients. The other kind of interesting finding from both Z11 and Amaros is the number of patients in the axillary dissection groups who had um, additional positive notes. So, you know, since these are randomized trials, half the patients got dissection, half the patients got either no further treatment or nodal radiation. And in both trials, in the groups that got axillary dissection, it was roughly 30% of patients who actually had more positive nodes. So, um, you know, that's interesting because it means that the systemic therapy that the patients get and the radiation that the patients get um, really are effective at controlling this disease, um, you know, at least up to the, you know, 10 years of follow-up time that had been published for both trials. Um, And I guess that does sort of lead to uh, a few other caveats to note. Most of the patients in these trials did have ER-positive HER2-negative disease, so the vast majority. And those um, types of tumors are um, treated with adjuvant endocrine therapy, so 5 to 10 years of either tamoxifen or an aromatase inhibitor, and generally will have later recurrences than faster-growing cancers like triple-negative cancers or HER2-positive cancers, um, which might end up getting neoadjuvant chemotherapy anyway. And so, and, and so these trials are not for patients who got neoadjuvant chemotherapy. These trials were for patients who were clinically no-negative and then had upfront surgery. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that also kind of brings into the concept of clinical trials and patients that were enrolled in those trials and how well these trials can be used for all patients. And just as Dr. Mukhtar was saying, you know, classically speaking, a woman that's clinically node negative that has a lumpectomy and sentinel node and has one or two positive nodes can forego the axillary node dissection. But I think probably Dr. Mukhtar feels the same way as I do. There are certain cases where we get a little bit more nervous because we're not really sure because not all of those patients were in these trials. So a young woman with triple negative breast cancer um, or HER2 positive breast cancer um, or, you know, two out of two positive sentinel nodes, triple negative, and she's, you know, 38. We start getting a little nervous about that because as Dr. Mukhtar stated, they weren't really represented that well in these trials. And and that's something that we do in every aspect of, of medicine is that, you know, clinical trials obviously can't enroll every type of patient. Um, they try to be as diverse as possible, but sometimes we just don't get to that place. Um, right. I like, I'd love to kind of shift into a very similar uh, uh, situation because this, this comes up more and more with the ability for our radiology team to look at the axilla before mm. surgery. Right. Right. And so, again, as, as Dr. Mukhtar mentioned in Z11, patients were clinically negative that went to surgery with lumpectomy and sentinel node biopsy. 
more and more radiologists are utilizing ultrasound at the time of diagnosis to look at the axilla and they may see a seven millimeter lymph node or an eight millimeter lymph node that has a slightly thickened cortex. And they might do a fine needle aspiration and actually find out that that patient is node positive. And so now, of course, there's a wide range of biologies, but if we kind of look at those patients that were similar to Z11, so say 52-year-old with a one and a half centimeter estrogen uh, and progesterone positive breast cancer, grade two, um, you know, a little over a centimeter, and she has an eight millimeter lymph node that's final aspirations positive, and she was a grade two. I guess here the question is, say she doesn't meet criteria for neoadjuvant chemotherapy, and she's really going to go to surgery first, and she just wants a lumpectomy. What do you think we can do now for those cases, um, even though they weren't truly represented represented in Z11 or Amaros? Right, yeah. You, you bring up a, a really interesting scenario that is almost a um, kind of an artifact of getting maybe too much imaging. Right. So, um, so right. So, so if you, if someone gets an ultrasound, like almost like a screening ultrasound, like nobody felt any adenopathy, but someone shows to look in the axilla and they see an abnormal node and you get a biopsy, you've now made that patient clinically node positive is, you know, is what to repeat what Dr. Alvarado was just saying. If a patient's clinically node positive and you're going to go straight to the operating room, you really don't have any data to support not doing an axillary dissection because E11 and Amaros included patients only who were clinically node negative. Um, so I think that you have a couple of choices. You know, we're going to get into, you know, how do you manage the axilla in the setting of, of neoadjuvant therapy? But I think your choices are you could, one, be sort of very, um, you know, really go by the books, if you will. And you would say, well, technically speaking, you're clinically node positive, even though if that patient hadn't gotten an ultrasound, they would have been clinically node negative, And then you would have found that node at the time of sentinel node biopsy. And then you would have said, oh, you don't need a dissection because you fit into Z11 and Amaros. Um, but if you're going to go by the books, you could say, um, well, now you have to have an axillary dissection. Or you could say, let's just go ahead and do um, a sensor node biopsy and let's get a good sampling of nodes, you know, three nodes, for example. And that would allow you to feel more confident, like get that lymph node ratio and see, is it one out of three nodes positive, two out of three nodes positive, or three out of three nodes positive? And that might help you with your decision making. Um, Or you could say, well, let's try to downstage the axilla with neoadjuvant therapy. This can be hard, though, because for an ER-positive HER2-negative cancer, it's very unusual to get a complete clinical response in the axilla. So you're unlikely to get a complete response in the axilla, which would then make you feel comfortable or completely comfortable with not doing an axillary dissection after the fact. So I think this is tricky, um, but what I do is I, I try to look at the situation as though they hadn't gotten that ultrasound. Like, do I feel any adenopathy or not? Do I think that this patient would have been clinically no negative? Um, of course, I talk to the patient about it, but I would lean towards um, 
doing a sentinel node biopsy and maybe with um, sampling of, of, you know, lowering my threshold for sampling any nodes that feel clinically suspicious at the time of the node biopsy. What do you do? do? Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Just like you were saying that it's one of those things where surprisingly across the country, breast surgeons are moving into an area of, well, they were clinically node negative. They would have met Z11 criteria. So let's quote, pretend that it's not really node positive and maybe we'll clip the node or we'll we'll find that node and we'll do the sentinel node procedure. And if it's only one out of three or one out of two, we'll treat them like Z11. Right. And and so I think that's where people are moving. And there's been there's been publications showing that, that there are patients that fit that. There's no clinical trial for that, but I, I totally agree with you. In those in those patients that have <clears throat> what we would say low risk biology, that maybe that go to surgery first, which which um, which I totally agree with you. And and you just you kind of have to take each one, like you said, and think about it and how we do it. But but that's very different then maybe we'll just shift um, into the patient that is node positive after neoadjuvant therapy, maybe? Yeah, that You want to try yeah. something like that? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, um, all right, so let me give you a case. So say we have a patient who is 45 years old, and she uh, has a triple negative invasive ductal carcinoma, so on imaging, the tumor measures three centimeters, and uh, you do feel adenopathy. Um, she had an MRI that shows several abnormal level one lymph nodes. She gets an axillary ultrasound that confirms the presence of abnormal nodes with cortical thickening. So you get a fine needle aspiration or a, a needle biopsy of some sort, and it is positive. Um, she gets genetic testing. There's no germline um, uh, pathogenic variants, and... Um, get staging there's you know no distant disease so so i guess here i guess we could even back up just one second the first question for you dr alvarado um do you take her to surgery first or do you do neoadjuvant therapy and then when you take her to surgery can you even do a sentinel node biopsy or do you have to do an axillary dissection yeah for the for the patient that's node positive up front and that has high risk biology. Um, I think these days, if we're talking about, for example, her two positive or triple negative. She's triple negative. Right. So they're, if they're node positive up front, they're almost always going to get offered the neoadjuvant therapy. And it's been well studied, um, in the past that you can perform a sentinel node procedure after neoadjuvant therapy and it can be very accurate. And so I think, um, I think that's great. So that's been established. So we can offer patients sentinel node procedure after neoadjuvant therapy. If she was clinically node negative, we could just do a standard sentinel node biopsy after the fact of getting neoadjuvant therapy and look at that node and figure out what to do. In this case, like you said, she's node positive up front. I totally agree with you. I think this patient would go on to neoadjuvant therapy. And then we'd hope to downstage the axilla and we could see how well she responded. That only, that, that also gives information about her prognosis. Um, you know, the concept of pathologic complete response gives information about uh, disease free survival, uh, because that's a really good surrogate for disease free survival. So then we have the possible outcomes, right? 
she's either sentinel node negative after neoadjuvant um, or she's sentinel node positive. And so have we completely downstaged it? So I think you and I kind of do the same thing. We clip the node usually uh, before neoadjuvant therapy. They get their neoadjuvant therapy, and then we use um, a way to localize that. We use a, a seed, a magnetic seed, to identify that node and do the sentinel node procedure. And I think we both tend to use dual tracer, right? And that's based on a clinical trial. And that, and right. you want to go ahead and mention what that trial was? Yeah. Um, so the, the trial that Dr. Alvarado is alluding to is the ACOZOG Z1071 trial. And um, like Dr. Alvarado said, previous trials had shown that for patients that are clinically node negative who get neoadjuvant chemotherapy, that the sentinel node procedure is accurate. So it accurately reflects the status of the other nodes with a false negative rate below 10%, which is considered acceptable. Um, but the question had been, well, what if someone was clinically node positive and then gets chemotherapy? Um, now the scenario is slightly different. So, you know, normally when we're doing a sentinel node biopsy, we're asking the question, is there a disease in the node? But if you already knew that there was disease in the node and then they got chemotherapy, the question you're asking is slightly different. The question is, did the chemotherapy eradicate all the disease in the nodes? Because if you, if you knew that there was disease left, you would just go ahead and do an axillary dissection. And we can talk more about that because that's also an evolving um, uh, kind of decision point. But at this point, um, at this moment in time, you would do an axillary dissection if you knew. Um, so the Z1071 trial asked the question, um, if someone's node positive, gets chemotherapy, and you think that the disease has been eradicated, so you can no longer feel any abnormal nodes, can you trust a sentinel node biopsy procedure to accurately reflect the status of the other nodes? So these patients um, underwent sentinel node biopsy and axillary dissection to determine the false negative rate of the sentinel node procedure. And if you just did a standard sentinel node in that trial, the false negative rate was actually higher than 10%. It was something in the 12 to 14% right. um, range, if I recall. Yeah. Um, but when they looked more closely at their data and did some subset analyses, they found that you could get the false negative rate to be lower if you used dual tracer. So like Dr. Alvarado said before, uh, maybe a... Um, uh, LymphoSeq or Technetium 99 plus blue dye, or, you know, we tend to use this magnetic tracer called MagTrace. So, you know, any combination of two tracers, um, plus if one of the nodes was clipped, take out the clipped node. So that combination of taking out the sentinel nodes and the clipped node is, is what people call targeted axillary dissection and making sure that you get at least three nodes out. So if you do all that and all those nodes are negative, then um, it means that the chance that there are additional positive nodes is less than 10%. So you can rely upon that kind of, um, you know, more involved sentinel node procedure. So, um, so, so you know, Dr. Alvarado, I know that you and I have, um, <laughs> have debated this a little bit in the past, but the real question, the million-dollar question that everyone wants to know, and there is currently a trial, an alliance trial, um, alliance 11202, looking at this question, what do you do if that node is positive after neoadjuvant chemotherapy? And remember, this is different <laughs> than people who did not get neoadjuvant chemotherapy because this is disease that, you know, persisted after chemotherapy. Yeah. 
So, um, so, so I'll just say that, you know, at the moment, there's, there's no data showing that you, you can omit axillary dissection, but, um, but Dr. Alvarado, <laughs> Professor Alvarado, please um, no, t- tell it, us your thoughts it on It definitely this. is controversial. No, <laughs> yeah. Dr. Mukhtar is absolutely right. The standard of care today is after neoadjuvant therapy, if you have a positive sentinel node, that patient should undergo an axillary lymph node dissection. So that is, that is the standard of care. And as, as was mentioned, there is a trial looking at potentially omitting axillary node dissection. But it's a difficult situation. I think um, we feel very passionately about trying to avoid harming patients with lymphedema. And I think across the country, there is starting to become a kind of an, a paradigm shift of, well, we do it in these other cases. It's probably going to be okay. We think the data is going to prove it. And we're starting to take the lower risk patients and maybe having the discussion with patients about risk benefits. So um, we'll see. I, th- I think she's absolutely right. You know, I have discussions with my patients about risk benefit. We talk about the, the possibility of axillary node dissection. And we have a kind of a case-by-case situation where we discuss it at our tumor boards and we try to engage the radiation oncologists and medical oncologists. But but hopefully we'll get some information from from that uh, trial in the near future. And we've done some own uh, mining of our own data, you know, observational cohorts to kind of look at outcomes and other places have been doing the same thing. And there is a suggestion that there are patients that don't need an axillary node dissection after neoadjuvant therapy, even if they have a positive sentinel node. But again, it's definitely not the standard of care, and it needs to be a carefully discussed um, situation with the multidisciplinary team. So, right, and and yeah, and and the reason, of course, that that surgeons are looking for ways to not do a dissection is, like Dr. Alvarado said, the morbidity. You know, an axillary dissection has 15, 20% risk of causing lymphedema, which can be permanent. You add nodal radiation on top of that, and that risk can go up to 40%. Um, and there has, has yet to be a trial showing an overall survival benefit of axillary dissection. So while there may be cases where it is, it is still important for um, local control, there's a lot of concerns about about the morbidity. Um, so hopefully we will get results from the Alliance trial <laughs> right. soon um, and uh, and maybe resolve some of the controversy. Yeah, great. So, all right. So let me just summarize very briefly what we talked about. So, um, okay. So we talked about patients who are clinically node negative, who are going to surgery first, so not getting neoadjuvant therapy. So the Z11 and the Amherst trial showed that if those patients have a positive sentinel node, you do not need to do an axillary dissection. You can either do whole breast radiation if someone got a lumpectomy, or you could do nodal radiation um, with chest wall radiation if someone got a mastectomy. Then we have our clinically node positive patient who gets neoadjuvant chemotherapy. So we know from Z1071 that you can evaluate the axilla with a sentinel node biopsy if the following conditions are met. The patient became clinically node negative, so you don't feel any abnormal lymph nodes anymore. And you use two tracers, take out the clipped node if the node was clipped, and take at least three nodes out. 
And then finally, we have our controversial point. Um, <laughs> what do you do if that node remains positive after chemotherapy and the standard of care is a completion axillary dissection, but because of the morbidity, because sort of lack of proof of, of real need or benefit, a lot of sur- surgeons are shifting away from doing that. And that question is, is being directly asked by the Alliance 11202 uh, trial, which is ongoing. Perfect. This has been great. Thanks. Thanks. We want to thank Behind the Knife for letting us talk about this. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. We obviously miss uh, Dr. Glenser, our uh, resident. Um, but um, I guess what we'll say now is dominate the, the day. day. Be sure to check out our website at www.behindthenife.org for more great content. You can also follow us on Twitter at Behind the Knife and Instagram at Behind the Knife Podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a review. Content produced by Behind the Knife is intended for health professionals and is for educational purposes only. We do not diagnose, treat, or offer patient-specific advice. Thank you for listening. Until next time, dominate the day.